Yeah, I want to say thanks for participating with us today. It's time to worship. Silence can be awkward. <clears throat> I was told in school, though, that when you're in church, silence can be on purpose and can be helpful. But from the looks I get, I guess it's more like it's awkward. We're, just, we're not used to being quiet. Think about that. Everywhere you go, there's noise. Yes, please, say something. Don't just sit there, Pastor. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're all pretty tense, aren't we? Everybody's kind of wound up these days. Uh, how, how, uh, this, is, this is just really a weird question to even start with. I, I, I looked at it like 14 times this week and it kept going, you got to find a better way to start this thing. And I'm going... I, I, yeah, I would like to, but here comes the question that I can't find, fix. I can't edit my way out of this one. How, how many of us have wondered when things are going to calm down again? Uh, I, I'm not a, uh, nimble enough to raise both hands and both feet at the same time anymore. <laughs> I'm on a stool, folks, okay? You know, if I was standing up, that'd be absolutely impossible. Hey, our, our world is like, really right now, shakes with uh, distress and anxiety. Our lives seem to just be bouncing from one uh, hardship to another. Uh, just like, maybe, it, I, I know it's not me because I have a survey I'm about to share with you that, to, to, to show that it's, it's true, that it's not just me. Uh, but just when it feels like I'm treading water again, and believe me, that's a, a stretch because I don't tread water in, in a pool. <laughs> I don't. I, 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 I swim like a rock. Um, uh, but just when I feel like I'm treading water in the way things are going on in, in this world, uh, I, I get seen to be sucked into another whirlpool. Something else happens, right? Uh, and I get spun around. March 11th, 2022, uh, marked the second anniversary of uh, the World Health Organization declaring COVID-19 a worldwide pandemic. Two years we've been dealing with this. Um, and in the two years uh, since that very first declaration uh, of the, the pandemic, uh, someone said virtually all aspects of life have been altered. Duh. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. For those online who haven't met me yet, I am full of irony and occasionally sarcasm. <laughs> okay, not occasionally, 
Some people believe it's my love language. All right. Uh, to, to better understand the impact of the past two years on people and uh, their stress levels, the American Psychological Association partnered with the Harris Poll to conduct a survey, and the results of the survey have found out some things that, uh, be, because of the results, I'm pretty sure none of us are going to go, oh, wow, I never thought of that. Uh, the top three sources of stress were... According to this survey, the rise in prices of everyday items due to inflation. 87% of the people responded, yeah, that's a stress problem. The other 13% must have way more money than the rest of us. I don't know. Either that or they just buy and bulk. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the, 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 the second two issues tied in eight, with 81% of the people, the, the second two and the top three were the, the supply chain issues where, where it may not be a price problem, but you just can't get stuff delivered because it's stuck somewhere or they can't make it. Uh, and global uncertainty, the mess in the world. These serious stressors are coming at a time when we're still obviously lag, uh, dealing with the strain of the pandemic that's just been going on for two years. And nearly two thirds, 63% of adults said that their life has been forever changed by the, the COVID pandemic. In addition, the survey revealed widespread grief and a sense of loss. There are things that we couldn't do, didn't do, wish we could have done, people we lost, all kinds of things, all kinds of loss over the last two years. <clears throat> and I just want to let you know, it is okay, it is healthy to say, I miss that. I lost that. I'm grieving that. Because if you just kind of try to keep on going around like, hey, it's okay. It's just the way things are. It's going to smack you between the eyes one of these days and you're going to be laying out flat on the ground somewhere. Balling your eyes out or something and wondering, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you is that you been trying to grieve for two and a half years and you just didn't do it. It'll happen. So, let it. In addition, the survey uh, also points out that money stress uh, registered high, uh, at the highest recorded level since 2015. <laughs> U.S. adults are emotionally overwhelmed and showing the signs of fatigue. So in case you haven't heard, be nice to each other. Be just, if you're following Jesus, please be polite. Thank you.
simple things mommy taught us, right? Say please and thank you. Those are the magic words. But my servant brought the ice in my water. Sip it anyway. My servant brought me ice in my coffee. Ask her to nuke it. I mean, microwave it. I know people that ask them to do that anyway. If it's not boiling when it came out, it wasn't hot enough. Not going to mention names. <laughs> Vast majority of adults, 87%, 87% of adults agreed that it feels like there has been a constant stream of crises over the last two years. And 73% said they're overwhelmed by the number of crises facing the world right now. And that, folks, are only the global and the national problems. That doesn't count the basic run-of-the-mill, family got sick, uh, normal issues that we all face, have always faced on a regular basis, right? You know, life changes, I'm getting older, I'm not as young as I used to be. I had somebody tell me recently, you know, because they noticed that my knee was, my knee hurts. I have a bad knee. And they're going, you know, if you exercise more, that would help. And I go... You know, if I didn't, if I hadn't blown it out playing softball when I was in my 20s, it would have helped too. That's a 40-year-old injury. Oh. Yeah, there's some things you can't exercise out of. Amen. <laughs> Being 65, you can't exercise out of that, folks. Some of you already know that. Because you're past that. You and I can, can add all kinds of our own personal and family struggles to the pile of stuff that's already going on around us in this world. If everything in our personal lives was great, we'd still have everything that was going on in the world to stress us out. This world has changed a lot in 2,000 years. It's changed a lot in the last two years. But in the last 2,000 years since Jesus was here and walked the dusty roads of Palestine, it's changed a lot. And so we're asking the question, would he preach and teach the same things that, to us that he did back then? Now, would he teach the same principles? I think he'd probably say some things differently to us since, you know, he, he, he talked to people about their donkey being in a ditch. He might talk to us about our car being in a ditch. Okay, so uh, there'd be some, some slight differences that way. But what about the principles? What would Jesus say to folks like you and me who are stressed out, tired of these unrelenting crises? Now, some people expect him to say, would, would, would expect him to say, if Jesus was here, they would expect him to say, you know, your behavior got you into this mess. And here's what you need to do to get out of it. The only problem with that is Jesus constantly surprised the people in his day that thought that 
for, for example, the religious and legal experts complained about his disciples not uh, following their rules about ceremonially washing their hands before eating. They weren't talking about the washing your hands with soap and water to prevent germs. They were talking about kind of washing your hands and saying, God is good, God is great, thank you for the food that's on my plate. I, it, it, was a, it was a religious ceremony of washing your hands. It had nothing to do with germs. And they're going, hey, your disciples eat food without washing their hands and saying, doing their thing. And, and Jesus said, after all this, are you still so foolish? Okay, so he actually said that to his disciples who were asking the same question. We don't get it. Why, why, why do we get away with this? And Jesus said, are you still so foolish? Don't you understand that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and then passes out into the sewer? But the things that come out of the mouth come out of the heart. And these things defile a person. For out of the heart come evil ideas, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are the things. Things that come out of our hearts. These things are what defile a person. Uh, this is one of the principles that Jesus weaved through all of his teachings. This idea of our heart, the, the center of our thoughts, emotions, and decisions, the center of our lives. Probably the easiest way for me to define this is every one of us knows that we talk to ourselves. What am I going to wear today? Somebody asked that question, what am I going to do today? And somebody answers that question. It all happens inside of us, right? That's your heart. That's the center of you. That's you talking to you. And that's okay. Somebody said it's okay until you ask yourself to repeat because you didn't hear yourself. Because then that's a problem. What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, that could be a problem. Um, I think Jesus would do the same thing today. I think he would still talk to us about our hearts because while the world has changed a lot and technology's changed a lot, and people are people. Human beings are not have not changed a lot. We like to think, right? We like to think that, oh wow, we have evolved. Well, first of all, I know, let, let, let's just talk about, just real quick, evolution is something that's supposed to happen really, 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 really slow, and in 2,000 years, nothing happens, even by the theory of evolution. So we haven't changed. Period. People are people. And I believe Jesus would teach us the same thing. And I think Jesus would point out things like this. That some of us believe that life only has meaning or that we only have worth if we have power and influence over people. We, there, there are some of us who worship power. There are some of us who think that we, uh, life only has meaning or that we only have worth if we're respected by certain people. 
or individuals. We, we worship approval. There, there are people, there are others of us who want, think that we only have value if people are dependent on us. We, we, we worship being needed. Uh, there are others who feel like life only has meaning if we have a certain level of wealth or financial freedom and certain possessions, certain kinds of things. We worship money. There are others that Jesus would probably point out and say, hey, I think your perspective is that, that life only has meaning or you feel like you only have worth if you're, you're adhering to your your religion's moral codes and are accomplished in its activities. You worship your religious rules. Now, not everybody's comfortable with talking about worshiping other things. And so I want to apologize if I'm saying that people worship these different things. It makes you uncomfortable. Uh, but I think it's a phrase, turn of phrase that we're... At least I've heard it before, not just in church. I've heard of people, we talk about people worshiping power, worshiping money, being greedy, wanting more and more. Uh, we kind of see, in fact, let's just be honest, you probably thought of a guy who lives in another part of the world who's right now worshiping power and trying to annex some other country because of it. I'm not going to mention any names. You already thought of it. See, I think human beings instinctively worship. We are created to worship. See, the question is not whether or not we worship. It's who or what are we going to worship. See, worship is what we build our lives around. What, what's the center of our lives? What, what, is, what are we going to construct our lives around? Uh, it, it's what we, we think, this is what's going to make my life work and what's going to make it make sense. This is what's going to give me value. This is what, this is, this is way, this is how it works for me. That's our God. So for some, it's power. For some, it's money. For some, it's approval from other people. For some, it's being needed. For some, it's... Well, there, there's a whole lot of things that can be. I only listed a few. So, but worship is about security. Worship, whatever we turn to and attach ourselves to for a sense of security, that is who or what we worship. And, and so... People can build their lives around all kinds of things. And some of the things, one of the things that they can build their lives around is, is rules of their religion. Other people build their lives around rejecting religion. Yes, even not having a religion is worshiping. If you want to <laughs> argue with me, you can email me at pastormarkhaines at gmail.com. You are uncomfortable emailing pastor markings. Find me on Facebook. So here's the unfortunate thing. 
99.9999999999999% of the things that we build our lives around <laughs> fail us. And we react, we react to that by trying harder. We, we think, well, I must not have done something right, so I need to do it better to make it work this time. We, we trap ourselves in a cycle of working harder and being disappointed and then being you know, even more disappointed than we were before. And then we work harder and we get disappointed again. And we're more, it's increasing disappointment and increasing effort. And then, we, and then you throw in the fact that our world's falling apart and life is a mess. And no, it's no wonder 87 some percent of the world feels like they're overwhelmed. One of the things Jesus did implicitly and explicitly is that he promised to set us free by changing the focus of our hearts. He offers us hope in the middle of all of our crises. He, he invites us to find security in the deepest, darkest moments of life by recognizing his presence with us. See, he made the claim to be the one thing, the one true source of security. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, we're going to be looking at what he said 2,000 years ago in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapters of Matthew's record of Jesus' uh, life. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because in the opening sentence of, the chap of chapter 5, Matthew says, uh, Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So, somebody a long time ago, we got to call this something. He's on a mountain and he's teaching. Let's call it Sermon on the Mount. I like simple. It wasn't complicated. That makes sense. And we got, so let's listen to what Jesus told those people 2,000 years ago, about 2,000 years ago. Listen to what he told them about giving generosity and money in chapter six. So we're kind of jumping in in the middle of this sermon. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it 
with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. When you give to the needy, do not announce it to be honored by others. What are, do you know what those people are worshiping? Those people are worshiping approval by other people. Jesus says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When people notice, that's all they're going to get out of. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. When you give to the needy, do it in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We're going to move down to verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus goes on to continue talking about money and possessions. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You've heard it said, uh, this is, I'm inserting this, this is the Haynes thing. So this is not in the Bible, Jesus didn't say this. You've heard it said, put your money where your mouth is. Jesus is saying, put your money where you want your heart to be. Invest in where you want your heart to go. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Oh, can't worship money and God at the same time? Sorry. Let's just keep moving. Therefore, I tell you, since you can't serve both God and money, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? By the way, my doctor would insert here. No but you probably can subtract several hours by worrying. Oh, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, I don't know. You, the doctor doesn't talk to you about that stuff. Uh, so Jesus goes on to say, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor 
was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Oh yeah, you already know that. <laughs> okay, so somebody's probably wondering, so where's the heart issue? I mean, Jesus did mention the heart like once or in there or so, but, but what is the heart issue Jesus is talking about in this section about money and giving? Aren't generosity and giving good things to do? And so my answer is, well, yes. But here's Jesus' point. Money, generosity are not for show, safety, and uh, security. That's not what they're for. Instead, Jesus invites people to trust God and to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So what is that? I mean, you know, let's just be honest. I like, I like to talk in what I call McDonald's English. If they don't use it at McDonald's, and some things they use at McDonald's you probably shouldn't use all the time. You're not sure, it's because it's been a long time since any of us have really had the freedom to sit at McDonald's and listen to other people's conversations. But sometimes when you sit at McDonald's and listen to other people's conversations, people say things that you probably don't want to repeat. But I'm talking about just the general English language that's used that's not, you know, you know what I'm saying. Righteousness is usually not a word that you'll hear coming up in a normal everyday conversations at McDonald's, right? I mean, when was the last time somebody said, well, though, that Big Mac was just righteousness. No, that's not it. So what is God's righteousness? If we're supposed to seek God's righteousness, what is it? God's righteousness starts with the right relationships and results in the right behaviors. I'm going to repeat that because it's so easy for us to flip that. God's righteousness starts with the right relationships and results in the right behaviors. His righteousness, God's righteousness, offers us, offers us grace, love, and forgiveness. And our turning to him to receive grace, love, and forgiveness results in our renovation from the inside, from our hearts, to the outside, our actions. Now, I'm wearing a very special tie. I'm going to take it out behind the fender. And I'm going to take it off because, well, frankly... I can only wear a tie so long. <sighs> yeah. God's righteousness is like this. Uh, 
I call it electric blue and pink clip-on tie. This tie is a gift of love from my daughter, Nikki. Some of you are probably confused. Let me just tell you, Nikki gave this to me about 35 years ago. I will assure you, this is the only tie I have from 35 years ago. I can assure you, this is the only piece of clothing that I have from 35 years ago. <laughs> Suits wore out, shirts wore out, socks wore out, other ties got thrown away because, oh, the ties I wore back then. The, the mauve, I can't even bring myself to tell you, they actually were pink. The mauve colored pants were thrown out after a year. Why was I thinking? I don't know. This is, yeah, it was the 80s. Uh, this is, by the way, this is the only tie, this is the only piece of clothing I have from 35 years ago, and this is the only tie that I plan to keep till I die. Now you may be wondering why. For those of you who aren't, I don't wear clip-on ties. I have never worn clip-on ties. I, even when I was little, I, my dad and mom bought me clip-on ties and I hated them. I, if you're gonna wear a tie, wear a tie. But Nikki bought me a clip-on tie. And now I have a favorite tie, and it is a clip-on tie. It is not a perfect tie for me, it is a paisley print. Pink, paisley, print. But let me tell you about this tie. This tie is full of a little girl's love for her daddy. See, this hangs in my room where I see it every day. And every day I see and remember she loves it. She bought this all on her own. Her heart and mine were connected in, a right, in the right relationship. And so whether this tie is a perfect tie for me or not, it is a perfect expression of our relationship. That's what it means to seek God's righteousness. It's not to seek perfect expression of, of behavior according to a list of rules. It is to seek the perfect expression of my love for Jesus. Will that change my behavior? Well, of course it would. Would Nikki buy me a tie like this now? I don't think so. Let me just tell you, anybody advise me a tie is really brave. Just saying. 
God's righteousness works. So he loves us and we love him back. That's the way it works. So to seek his righteousness is to seek to love him back. That's what it is. Well, what about his kingdom? That must mean we do whatever he tells us to do, right? Well, kind of. But let me tell you what the traits of his kingdom are. And the traits of his kingdom are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know I went through those fast, and I'll slow them down. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the marks of God's kingdom. Why wouldn't we want to seek that? Well, how do we get that? By allowing his spirit to live in us and to work in us. But we're stuck, aren't we? It's pretty obvious. The vast majority of us are stuck. Why? What prevents us from, from, from really receiving the blessings of God's kingdom and his righteousness? Our problem grows directly from the things that we worship. From what we seek security from, from what we build our lives around, whether it's approval from others or money and possessions or being needed or, or following religious rules or so there's so many other things that we do. But I'm just going to do something dangerous here because I'm, I'm in church and I'm going to talk about our nation, our nation, which some people might think is political, but it's really not political. This is spiritual. Our, our nation was founded on making money. We like to think that it was the pilgrims who, the pilgrims weren't the first people in this country. The first people in this country came here to make money. Jamestown, Virginia. And they came here with an attitude that they were going to make money no matter what it took and no matter who it hurt. That is part of the foundation of our nation. And it is woven into the fabric of the way we think and act. And unless we're aware of it as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, unless we're aware of it, it sneaks into the way we think. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves hearing Jesus say, you can't serve God in money, and not realizing we've been trying to do that all along. Because, well, you know, that's just kind of, the, that's the American way. It's the American dream. We worship amassing wealth. We live as though we can only have, if we only have a little bit more, then everything's going to work out. 
watch our government. If you're not sure about this, just watch our government. I don't care what, it doesn't matter which political party. Every single political party does the same thing. We have a problem. Throw money at it. That's the, that's the solution. And I don't care who they are. I always ask, where's it coming from? I'm always, I'm always afraid they're going, we're just going to print more. Okay, but if I did that, I'd go to jail. It's, it, so many of us are, who say we're following Jesus and are, are church-going Americans, we act as though what Jesus said, we don't, we don't, we don't say this out loud, but we act as if Jesus said, seek all these things. Pray for God's help to get them. Donate to your church and consider yourself more blessed than others when you get them. And God will also pile on you the blessings of his kingdom and his righteousness. So we act like we have, so many of us act like we have two priorities. Like we can serve two masters and love them both. This is one of the biggest lies that we've ever been told. Let's set our priorities. You can't have priorities. It's like jumbo shrimp. Yes, some shrimp is bigger than other shrimp, but shrimp are shrimp. They're tiny. And I'm allergic to them. <laughs> Don't think it, right? A priority is, there's one priority. By definition, there's one thing. That's what Jesus says to us. Author J.D. Wright, uh, or J.D. Walt says, it is the peak of deception to think we can serve two masters and love them both. God and the things of God occupy such a small compartment in far too many lives. Church fills a stale stifling and predictable category. But when, are we, when will we finally wake up? The thing we must come to crave in these days of chaos is the gift of clarity. This is a moment for deep soul clarity. It will mean something infinitely greater to live for, and it's never too late. Jesus. Not stale religion, not an empty shell of church, not self-righteous, pompous donkeys. Uh, just Jesus. I edited, folks, if you didn't know. Uh, just Jesus. He's better than the best. Just Jesus. Just Jesus. So, what's the sermon in the sentence? My confidence is in Jesus, just Jesus. Only Jesus. The hard issue behind Jesus' teachings on giving generosity and money is trusting God and God alone. 
of putting our confidence in Jesus, just Jesus. He invites us to true worship. He calls us to seek more than merely showing up for church meetings, singing songs, and saying prayers, and, and staying awake while I speak. Congratulations to everyone who does. Uh, but all these things are important. I don't want you to think that I don't think those are important. They are important. But they aren't the foundation of God's security. They are not the foundation of God's kind of generosity. They're not the foundation of God's kingdom. Jesus invites us to trust God and to seek his kingdom first in his righteousness. Jesus encourages us to build our lives around God. That's true worship. And it's the only thing that gives us security. True worship recognizes our dependence on God and turns away from our dependence on other things. All these other things are going to let us down. True worship declares and lives out God's sufficiency. God is enough. Jesus is more than enough. And denounces our self-sufficiency. I have never been enough. I will never be enough. It sounds really good to have somebody send you a little, little meme on Facebook that says, believe in yourself. You are enough. Amish fertilizer. Think about it. You'll know what I meant. I am not enough. I never will be enough. I, I'm, I'm almost 65 years old and I've failed myself enough times to know I, I can really mess up. Even when I don't want to. Like how many times do you really want to, Mark? Well, that's true. See, my confidence has to be in Jesus, just Jesus, not me. Not some pile of money, not some economy, not my nation, not my not some political candidate or party, not not nothing. It's Jesus, just Jesus. He's the only one who's taken whatever this world could dish out and overcame. Well, they killed him. Yeah, but how long did that last? Killed him on Friday and on Sunday he was back. I want you to talk. I want to talk to you about Jesus for just a minute. Let's talk about Jesus because if I'm encouraging you to center your heart on Jesus. I, what I'm basically saying is I think Jesus is asking us to invite him into that conversation, that part of us where we talk to ourselves, invite him into that center of us so that there's like, what are we going to do today? You know, instead of what am I going to do today, it's what are we going to do today? Jesus, you and me, what are we going to do today? 
Well, I'm asking you to do that. So who am I asking you to invite into that conversation? I want you to know who's asking for your whole trust. Uh, this is a very, I'm going to start with a wordy theological, actually it's a sentence. Believe it or not, it's one sentence. Hang on to your hats. Jesus Messiah sits enthroned in the heavens, a real place, at the right hand of the Father in a physical, albeit glorified body made of human flesh, where he reigns and rules as the Lord of heaven and earth, as commander in chief of the angel armies, as the head of the church, the first fruits of the resurrection, the firstborn from among the dead, the sovereign king of all that is, was, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. So be it. That's it. Okay, that wasn't really part of it. I added that. That was a theologian's post. Allow me to add a songwriter's poem. poem poems sometimes help us. Some of you will recognize these words by Lewis Jones. Upon life's boundless ocean where mighty billows roll, I've fixed my hope in Jesus, blessed anchor of my soul. When trials fierce assail me, as storms are gathering o'er, I rest upon his mercy and trust him more. I've anchored in Jesus, the storms of life I'll brave. I've anchored in Jesus, no, I fear no wind or wave. I've anchored in Jesus, for he hath power to save. I've anchored in the rock of ages. In other words, my confidence is in Jesus, just Jesus. Well, there, I'm going to quote one more songwriter because he's a little more contemporary. His name is Micah Tyler. He wrote on the nights when the dark lasts a little bit longer, when the wind and the storm is a little bit stronger, when the fear in my heart dips a a little bit deeper when my faith to stand gets a little bit weaker. Where could I run to? Where could I go? Even when it feels like my world is shaken, even when I've had all that I can take, I know you never let me go. And even when the waters won't stop rising, even when I'm caught in the dead of night, I know no matter how it ends, you're with me even then. That's the one who gives us security. Doesn't give us security by taking away all the scary stuff. Gives us security by being with us, right smack dab in the middle of it. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are My confidence is Jesus, in Jesus, just Jesus, 
so I will happily give to help others secretly. My confidence is in Jesus, just Jesus. So I invest in God's kingdom with everything and everything I possibly can so that my heart is focused on him and his kingdom. I, my confidence is in Jesus, just Jesus. So I trust God to provide my needs, my clothes, my food, my possessions. Let's pray. King Jesus, I bow and worship and praise before you. Before I go any further, I just want to invite you, if you want to kind of make this prayer your prayer, please feel free to do that. King Jesus, I bow and worship and praise before you. I surrender myself completely and unreservedly in every area of my life to you. I address myself only to you, the true and living God. Dear God, I worship you, give you praise. You are worthy to receive all glory, honor, and praise. I renew my allegiance to you and pray that the blessed Holy Spirit will enable me primarily to seek you your kingdom. Holy Spirit, fill me with your love, with God's righteousness, peace, and joy. Come into my life. Break down every idol. Cast out every rival to my king. Jesus, my Messiah, my Savior. By the grace of God, with the Holy Spirit's help, I completely surrender my life to you, King Jesus. Blessed Holy Spirit, bring all the blessings of Jesus' life and crucifixion, all the blessings of his resurrection, all the blessings of his ascension to heaven's throne, and all the blessings of your powerful presence into my life right now, right here. I surrender my life to you. I refuse to be discouraged. You are the God of all hope. You demonstrated your power by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And I claim in every way the victory over all the forces of evil. I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for connecting with us, either online or on site. We want you to know, we want you to know you are appreciated. This service is over, but our work is just beginning. As you go to live as sent ones, ones sent by God, may the beauty of Jesus shine in your eyes. May the love of Jesus shine in your actions. May the wisdom of Jesus shine in your words. May the grace of Jesus flow from your heart to each and every person you meet. Amen. You are sent. Go with Jesus. <laughs>